I'm Katie McKinley, and you are listening to I Can Make That, Conversations with Creatives. I have been existing in a world of art, sewing, and other various forms of creativity my entire life. Along my crafty journey, I've collected quite the group of talented characters that I get to call my friends. Instead of keeping their wisdom and wit all to myself, I'm using this podcast to bring them to you. Behind every piece of art is a human being who went through a range of successes and failures in making and in life, and I'm here to share their stories. everybody we are back at it with a new guest and a new episode of i can make that conversations with creatives i am thrilled to share today's guest with you i don't remember how i stumbled upon him on instagram but i smashed that follow button almost instantly when i did he has an incredibly infectious energy that just bursts out of his images and you immediately want to be a part of what he's got going on at all times some people just have the it factor and brad has it for sure By day, Brad Schultz is a high school teacher where he helps mold the minds of our future leaders. By every other living and breathing moment outside of teaching, he is a sewist, blogger, podcaster, knitter, YouTuber, creator of amazing things, and most of it is bundled under the umbrella of Brad Schultz Designs. Brad is part of a very underrepresented niche of men in the sewing community, and he brings such a fresh, fun, playful energy to sewing that is simply unmatched. And I am confident that you'll leave this episode wanting more interactions with him. I know I will. Welcome to I Can Make That, Brad. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me. I'm grinning ear to ear. I need that sort of intro every day of my life. Like, so kind. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just show up, like, right before school every day for you and give you, like, a little hype (laughs) lead in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that intro. Oh, my gosh. I'm just... I believe every word of it. I think you're amazing. And I think everyone else just needs more of you, so... Well, thanks. Let's start out by getting over or past or through with the surface level of things. Um, where did you grow up? Where do you live now? What do you do for your day job? All right. So I grew up in a small town called Williston in Florida, and I actually still live about 30 minutes from there. So I live in Gainesville, Florida now. So a little bit bigger than what I grew up in, but not that much bigger, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Interestingly enough, I grew up about 30 minutes away. I moved north, northeast, about 30 minutes into Gainesville, but yet I teach high school about an hour south of where I am now. So kind of this whole area of Florida is my my domain. But yeah, like you said, I teach high school. Uh, I taught elementary school for 14 years. So I taught kindergarten for 10 years and first grade for four years, and then just randomly two years ago, I made the jump to high school and boy, was it a change, but I love it. I love it. Um, So I teach TV production or digital video technology is the the actual term for it. And we call it TV production. And um, so it's fun. It's like a digital creative art class where, I mean, we get to envision ideas and put it all on screen. Uh, So I have a I have a good time with it. That sounds amazing and something I wish that we had when we were growing up at school. Yeah, totally. I I had either. 
Yeah. Do you have a background at all in TV production or how did you get, how did you go from elementary to high school? Cause that is a, that is a wild jump really. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer the first part of that question, that's what everyone asked me because no, I do not have a background in television production at all. Um, except that I guess when I started teaching, however long it's been now, 14 years ago, I mean, I started teaching, I guess, 16 years ago, but 14 years ago, I was part of a grant. And that grant was all about using technology in the classroom, specifically for video creation uh, with students. So for years and years, I made videos with my kindergartners. And I'm lucky to teach in a county that has a really amazing media festival every year. It's kind of like our Academy Awards and their categories. And the videos have to be student created and edited from from ground up. Uh, even in kindergarten, the students did all of the work. Um, so I would create videos with my students and we would submit them to the media festival every year. And it was just something we really looked forward to. It was a way to give more like a hands-on um, approach to learning and, and enhance some of that creativity and interest in what they were working on. So fast forward, uh, whatever I said, 14 years, there was a job opening at the high school I'm at now. The lady who wrote the grant that I was part of 14 years ago was the principal at this high school. And there was an opening and she thought of me and she contacted me. And I, you know, I taught elementary for so long. I just, I was at the time of my life, I just felt like I needed something different. I loved elementary. And immediately she called and asked me and I told her no. <laughs> I thought I will never teach high school. So I've always said. And then I thought about it over the weekend and I ended up going the next week and touring the school and took the job and haven't looked back since then. So I've been there a full two years. This is my third school year uh, because I started in the middle of that school year. I think so uh, during the pandemic with our son, we were, he's he's a single child. So we were trying to come up with ways to like get him to do things and interact with people that, you know, was virtual because we were just home right. by ourselves as everyone was. And we had him create like a little YouTube channel where he was giving news. And honestly, like I, when we put it together, I was just trying to give him an outlet. But when you think about what TV production or little YouTube news does, like what you're doing, the kids are learning how to research. They're learning writing skills. They're learning public uh, speaking skills. Like it's so many amazing things wrapped into one that you kind of just don't like think about. Right. You That's know? what I tell all of my students and all of the parents as well. At its core, what I teach is communication. Yeah. Right? You can't show, you can't create a video without some sort of idea that you want or need to communicate. So, I mean, and that involves all of their reading and literacy and public speaking and research and everything included in that. It ties all of that academic ability with a creative sense that we all have and kind of melds the two together. Yeah, it's just awesome. I I envy your job a little bit. And not at the same time, because high schoolers are tough. You know, high school for me as a teacher is all about building relationships. You know, 99% of is about building relationships with my students, and that's not always easy. But you just have to remember that I always say they look like adults, but they still act like kindergartners, and, and we laugh. You know, they still like the fun stuff. And I kind of forgot that a little when I started high school, because in my mind, I was thinking they're so much older. You know, I need to change the way I teach and do. And I realized pretty quickly, no, a lot of the things I did in elementary, I still do with my high schoolers and they still enjoy it because they are still kids. 
and they enjoy life and they want to have hands-on fun and they want to create things. So yeah, it really has uh, just kind of melded from one um, experience in elementary into high school pretty smoothly. Now, talk about culture of high schoolers though. I've not been in high school, well, I graduated high school in 2003, so it's been a while. And just walking on the campus, man, 20 years, a lot has changed. So it was kind of like, you know, running face first into a brick wall for the first couple months until I got my feet under me. But now I'm soaring and I love it. Well, let's, I guess, shift a little bit to your outside of school life. I read in your bio that while your mom can be kind of sort of credited for your initial introduction into sewing, that your granny is actually the source of inspiration and guidance for your entry into this craft. Do you remember what your first sewing project was? Or like, I don't know, what's your sewing origin story? Oh man, like my first sewing project ever, like in my life? I don't know, maybe the one that impacted you the most or that you feel like this is it. Right, well, like you said, yes, I sewed a lot with my granny growing up and especially Halloween costumes. So, you know, growing up as a male in a small town, a small country town, I'd say, in Florida, sewing is not something on your list of to-do items. <laughs> and, and especially growing up when I did, you know, this was years ago, and sort of the outlook on a lot of things have changed over years. So it wasn't something that was necessarily socially acceptable uh, when I was interested in it. But Halloween always gave me the opportunity to have an idea and sew up a costume I wanted. And my granny was always there with me to to make that happen. So those really are kind of my first memories of sewing and having ideas and going to the store and finding fabrics. And she would do the tough bits and then I'd do the straight lines. And that's really kind of how I learned the base of sewing. But then I don't know if they still offer like home ec in school. But when I was in middle school we had a home ec class and it was a rotation that everyone had to take for a portion of the year. And part of that was sewing. And I remember making a pillow and other students were doing other things and just being, I, I just kind of fell for it right off the bat. And I don't, I don't know why sewing of all things jumped out at me like it did, but it's just one of those serendipitous things, you know, it, it did, but I kind of put it away. And then years later I was an adult. I had started teaching and I mean, I had my granny's old sewing machine that had been packed away in the closet and my friends and I were going to a Jimmy Buffett concert and one of them made a joke about, um, well, you're, you're crafty. You can just make us all matching shirts. And I thought, you know what? I can't do that. Now I had never, I mean, costumes, yes, but like actual clothing I had never made. So I pulled out the sewing machine and started playing and the shirts never got made, but it kind of reignited that love for me. And then blogs were so huge then. And I was just reading and reading every night. I couldn't get enough. And that was now, it was the first year I started teaching. So I guess about 16, 15, 16 years ago. And I've not looked back. I mean, I just can't get enough information about sewing. And I just keep on blazing down the trail. Do you remember the first time that you put on and actually wore, and maybe not the first exact time, but... I remember putting on my first shirt that I made and wearing it out of the house and being like, I just hope this doesn't fall apart while I'm walking around. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Like, I had confidence in the home. But once I left, I was like, oh, God, this is going to this is going to fall apart on me. One of my biggest 
uh, negative traits, or at least I think so. You know, it can be positive and negative, but I am a big perfectionist, good or bad, but it took me so long to actually wear something I made. I would make things and then I would think that they were not good enough. And that's something I'm constantly telling new sewers is you just, you got to get over that. Like, enjoy what you're making, own it and wear it because, you know, it, it's hard. You put all this effort into making something. You love the experience while you're doing it. And then you get done and you see one mistake or a couple mistakes and you end up just pushing it aside. And it kind of chips away at that positive motivation you have. So it took me a long time really to kind of get going until I felt confident enough to wear something. But I do remember years ago now, I mean, it was a couple of years after I had started, I was going on a trip to New York City. It was actually my first trip to New York City. And I made a coat, like a full on navy blue winter coat that had interlining and had a, a leopard lining on the inside. And I had all of the hand pad stitching I had watched Gertie, she, on her YouTube channel, I can't think of her full name. Uh, anyways, I'm sure everyone knows who Gertie is. Uh, Gretchen, she's Charm Designs, is it she? Yes, yes, yes. Back then, that was before she had patterns and everything. She just had a YouTube channel. I She taught me through her videos how to do all the pad stitching, and I did all of that, and it has a beautiful silk leopard lining, and I wore it on my trip all week in New York and was in love. So that really was the first thing I remember making that I completely fell in love with. Oh my, do you still have it? I do actually. It is way too small for me these days, <laughs> but I have it. It's hanging in my closet. I just, that's one thing I'll never, you know, I'll never get rid of. Well, I don't think you should unless you want to just give it to me and then we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sounds amazing. You know, it's it's a classic garment. It's still beautiful. I absolutely would wear it now if I could. Well, my husband and I have never subscribed to the idea of gender roles. Like we honestly bucket and that tradition, that traditional, I guess, idea, our ideology. And here we, here I am in like the sewing and crafting community, which is heavily considered to be a quote unquote woman's hobby. But think about it, like all the famous clothing designers, most of them are men like Versace, Armani, uh, Marc Jacobs, Calvin Klein, like uh, Alexander McQueen. But so if the fashion and design industry is so heavily male influenced, how are we still not allowing or not seeing more men and boys get into something like home sewing and home design at a younger age? Do you find being a man in the sewing community, is it a, is it a challenge for you? Do you feel like this world is harder or easier for someone like you who kind of doesn't go along with that stereotype? Well, I think that society in general still looks at design and fashion design specifically as kind of flamboyant and uh, frivolous and extra. And I think that, you know, in strict gender roles, all of that uh, flamboyance is, is dedicated to the woman, right? So I think that men, even if they are interested in something creative, they're probably going to go more of like the engineering route where they can create, but in a very structured sort of way. I do think that there are gender roles still today that that keep men from sewing, even though, even if they have a love for clothing, right? Just something about sewing it still feels very feminine. I don't know why that is. It's not something I've ever subscribed to, but a lot of people feel that way. Do I feel like it's a struggle for me just in the sewing kind of world in general? No, because it's not something that I've really ever 
you know, I've, I've kind of always beat to my own drum. And even back when I was younger, if it was something that I loved doing, I, you know, I did. But the, obviously, it is definitely a very woman-heavy um, hobby. That's not a bad thing, right? Um, and I think that it's much more open for men now. And here's what I also think. I think that there have always been men sewing and that it's just these days now becoming a little more, uh, we see more men posting about it. So it's becoming more socially, quote unquote, acceptable. And there doesn't seem to be so much fear around it, which I kind of find so silly because, I mean, what's what's so scary about ma making something awesome and sharing it? But like I said, that, you know, that's a whole other, that's never how I thought. So I don't really ever, doesn't ever uh, affect me. Something though that I did think was really interesting is way back when I first started sewing, I was, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Silhouette Patterns, but Peggy is the owner of Silhouette Patterns and she does live webcasts online. And I started watching her webcast. I mean, she started probably 10 years ago and she used to offer a sewing like convention, conference convention in Dallas. And I wanted to go. So I had emailed her and just asked, you know, how many men are usually at these? Because even though it's not something that I've ever consciously affected me, I guess in some parts, you know, it always did. Why else would I reach out and ask how many men are going to be at, a, at the convention? And her exact words back to me were, it doesn't matter. Think of every big designer, just like you said. I shouldn't say every big designer, but so many big designers are male. So if you want to come, then come. And we will all love you and we will all accept you. And I went. And I went by myself and I had an amazing time. And I definitely, uh, I think about that comment often that she said to me, because it's not something I had ever thought of before. So it's funny that you bring that up. When we see men pop up in the, like, I, of course, work for Patterns for Pirates, when male sewists pop up in that group, I feel like people just flock to them. Like, they're so excited to see someone different, you know, sewing for themselves or for, you know, someone in their family. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's refreshing to see that. It's not even I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just really fun to watch the excitement surrounding it. And I just hope more people get involved in it. But why do we think that is, though? Like, why do we think that men don't? And I don't think that's that it's they don't sew as much, but they don't maybe share as much. There does still seem to be some sort of stigma against males sewing and not in the sewing world, but kind of socially. I think people still see sewing as like a. a Oh, I mean, it is a hobby. Well, it's a job for me <laughs> and a hobby and life in general. But I think people discount sewing as like a side thing. So maybe they just don't see it as like a formidable business style. And, you know, hobbies fall by the wayside eventually as you grow older sometimes. I don't know. I actually don't have an answer for that. You know, the the biggest area, well, I mean, I could chat about I could chat about this forever because it, you know, it is a part of my life being a male who sews, but like I said, it's never really been uh, an issue or much of a thought of mine, just sewing in general. However, I use a lot of women's sewing patterns. I mean, a lot, almost, I mean, a lot, <laughs> so many more options. Like almost every pattern I sew is a woman's pattern. And I just learned how to make that work with me because when I look at a pattern, it doesn't matter to me that a woman is on the front of the cover. 
What matters is what design lines are there? What style is it? How can I make this work for me? Or what am I looking for? I'm always looking at the design itself, not who it's on on the front of the pattern cover. But that really does stop a lot of people. Yeah, I think also you'll probably, I mean, you said you like precision sewing and you're a little bit of a perfectionist. So if you're taking a woman's pattern and and putting it on a traditional male body, like you've got to adjust shoulders and different things. I think some people are intimidated by that whole aspect. People don't like doing adjustments for the most part. I think I love sewing for the puzzle that you get to solve. And it's actually why I'm really into working on uh, pattern making and design skills right now, because I'm really driven to figure out like numbers and measurements and circles, and squiggly lines and, you know, how that all comes together to make something wearable. And I've seen you have this tagline in a few places on Instagram and your website that says sewing is where engineering, creativity and trends collide. The perfect place for my passions to meld. So is that are you similar to me like do you are you a process person you like the process more than the end results sometimes i mean listen i love clothes (laughs) (laughs) i love clothes but yes i mean really that is my tagline that is what i love i love having an idea and figuring out how to make that idea come together i love the fashion side of things and trends and i love figuring out how i can bring that into my life so yeah, I love tailoring. I love layers of things. And yes, all the engineering and making something work the way I want it to work. I'm obsessed with. My dad is an engineer. And uh, I just really think that that's where my brain just went. Instead of doing, uh, you know, putting together machinery, I'm <laughs> putting together, I'm using the same process, just on a different material, I guess. Well, yeah. So my dad's a carpenter. And he's the, he literally he built uh, my parents' house. He built the house I grew up in. He can just throw a building up like it's nothing, right? Because he's done it for so long. He knows how all of that goes together and works together. I use those same skills. I just do it with fabric. So yes. uh, that's why I like using that terminology, engineering, because I think it resonates with people. You know, it's not so frivolous. I don't think anybody thinks engineering is frivolous. And really, we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it with fabric. Uh, and that's the way I like to look at it. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with your idea. And I don't know if you know, but for years, I actually, I designed and made custom bridal gowns. And talk about engineering. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. So yeah, for, for years, I did custom gowns. And I also did really kind of over-the-top costumes for an event production company here in town for these really big charity events. I mean, so we had things like sticking off off the um, models back and like hanging out their sides and all these over the top costumes and trying to make everything work and figure out how it was going to work. Still be comfortable for the person wearing it, but still have the image that I wanted. And with wedding dresses, you want it to be comfortable. You want them to look the best they can look. You want everything to work because you're only wearing it once. And you made a comment earlier about being making your first garment and being scared it was going to fall apart. The first wedding dress I made, I was at the wedding and I almost had no breath as she walked down the aisle, not because it was so beautiful, which it was, but I just kept thinking, oh my God, what if it just like falls apart? <laughs> <laughs> you are so much braver than I am. I People will ask me to alter their clothes and I'm like, no, I can't imagine doing it in a bridal element. 
I, I, I laugh and tell everyone I'm retired. I, I did it. I'm done. It was extremely stressful. And now, no, I don't, I don't him. I don't help anyone. Somebody made a comment at school today. One of the students um, must, I think he ripped like his shirt under his arm. And he asked the teacher next to me if he had a sewing kit. And the teacher joked. He's like, if you're asking anybody, you should ask him. And I just joked and I said, I don't sew. Don't ask me. <laughs> this is my own little private. I like to keep to myself. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, I, I am not an alterations person anymore. Well, can we please talk about your photos? I love like every image you ever share. They're always always super pristine and thought out. And honestly, they're just amazing. Do you have a photographer? Are you taking these on your own? Like, tell me about your brilliant imagery. So things have changed over the years. Before COVID, I did have a photographer. I have a friend of mine who actually I had her her son in kindergarten years ago. And she's an amazing photographer um, in the in the city that I teach in. So she's awesome. And she a lot of the professional photos she took. But I'll tell you what, I got the new iPhone 14. Nope, I'm wrong. 13. Uh, this past summer, I know now I'm already behind. Things move so fast because I think the 14 already came. But anyways, the iPhone takes really good photos. Now some of the photos, actually most of the photos I put up I, are just taken with my iPhone. And I have a friend, uh, actually a best friend. And so most of the places that I'm out, uh, if we're traveling or whatever I'm doing, whatever outfit I'm wearing, He'll just take the the photo for me and they look great. So I use them. <laughs> and you're just like, I look really good. Can you snap a shot of me real quick here? <laughs> oh, they're awesome. I just, I love, it's, they always just look like you brought a photographer everywhere you go and you just make sure that, you know, they get all your good sides. Yeah. Well, I tell you, when I started, I, I'm not a model. I, I mean, that, that that's kind of a given. I'm not a model. I had no idea what to do. And so um, my my photographer friend, her name is Jenny, and I would say to her, like, OK, you're you have to coach me because when you tell me to pose, all I do is look at the camera. So thank God she was with me. And after, you know, after doing it a while, you just kind of get the hang of it. And so you'll notice a lot of times in my photos, I'm looking kind of off at the ground and laughing. That's kind of my go to pose. And my friend teases me and says that it always looks like I'm looking for coins. So now when he takes my photo, he's like, look for the coin. <laughs> so I do what I can. But, you know, obviously having a professional photographer makes that so much easier. For sure. I'm dying to learn about color analysis from you. You've talked about it a couple of times. I'm not even going to try and explain it with a lead in. I just want you to tell me what it is, why you're so passionate about it and what it's done to change how you make choices in your own wardrobe. So if you follow me at all or have seen my photos, you probably know already I am obsessed with color. I'm not the kind of guy that wants to wear, you know, khaki all day, every day. No, I do wear khaki a lot, but um, you know, I like color. It makes me happy. I like mixing colors and I like trying interesting things. So I decided, I guess it was this past summer, I decided to get my colors professionally analyzed. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And a lot of people will kind of poo-poo it, right? But I'm telling you, it has made such a huge difference. I ended up using somebody online and I, I sent them photos and then they sent me a full report back. And so the way the person worked that I use is they would relate your skin. Are you warm or cool? And so they would take your image and they would surround it by gold 
or silver. And you literally can visual, visually see how much better you look. You look healthier, you know, and the color that works best for you. I looked healthier. My skin looked warmer. Like everything just, I just looked more alive. And then the second part that after they chose warm and cool, uh, they would go to muted colors or muted or clear colors. So clear colors being like a, um, oh gosh, I am not a pro at this, but like a, a bright, kind of like a lime green. Um, it's kind of hard to explain colors over, over this, but anyways, a clear color versus, and, and you, and I could see, I could see the difference, how I was more muted and how it just kind of tied everything together. And then the last thing was dark versus light. And I actually was uh, really surprised that mine came out dark because I am usually mostly always wearing light colors, but I could visually see in the image, the dark colors that they surrounded my face with. It made my eyes pop more. It definitely made my hair stand out more. And that in itself, even without knowing what colors I were my best colors in itself, seeing the difference between just what a couple colors can make next to your face was a big eye opener for me. No, I was going to say, I feel like I've seen a lot of people compliment you about like the different color changes you've made without them maybe even knowing that you did this whole color analysis. And so I, it's obviously a testament to that it works. Right. So I ended up as a very warm season um, and this person's kind of layout the way they do colors. I'm a copper autumn. So it's the warmest of the autumns and you get a card that shows all your best colors. Now, the thing to note, or at least the thing that I note about this, like I said, I'm, I'm not a pro at this, but they're all sort of in the family. And that's what I love about having this card. I'm actually holding it here as I'm talking to you and I'm looking at them. What I started realizing as I got these colors and kind of started focusing on them is all of these colors go with each other. So if everything I make is somewhere on this card or at least goes with these colors, all of a sudden, everything I'm making goes together. So it's almost like creating this capsule wardrobe where you can mix and match everything. So I started buying shoes in these colors and I started making clothing in these colors and I did a whole like a summer capsule when I went to the beach and it's not that I was necessarily aiming for it to be a capsule but I realized that everything went together so that's what I love about it it gives me so many more options and the things I'm wearing and on top of that as if it wasn't enough I feel like it does it makes my skin look better it, it makes all the features that we want to look better and to pop and to bring attention that's what these colors do for you I know it sounds a little crazy, but I swear it works. I swear by it these days. No, I, I believe you. I believe you. Maybe one day I'll be brave enough. Yeah, I use uh, Color Guru and she was awesome. Color Guru. I will be looking her up then. We haven't talked directly about it yet, but you have a website that you've been working on diligently for pattern reviews, sewing tips, general sharing of you and your content. Do you have current or future plans for BradSchultzDesign.com? Where do you see your space on the web taking you? You know, I have wanted to start a blog and have a website for a long time. When I first started sewing, like I said earlier, blogs were such a huge thing. You know, I don't think YouTube was as big of it. Well, I know it wasn't as big of a deal uh, back then. And I loved reading sewing blogs. And I've always wanted to have one. Actually, probably 10, 12 years ago, I started one. I think I put one post up and then nothing ever, nothing ever happened. And I guess... Just over the past couple of years, I've kind of noticed like 
anything I put on Instagram, I'm mostly on Instagram. You know, Instagram owns that for lack of better wording. You know, when I put it out there on Instagram, it's theirs. And if something happens tomorrow and Instagram is gone or everyone decides to leave Instagram or whatever it is, that stuff is no longer valid. I feel like I'm losing the work that I'm putting out there. Um, I don't have full ownership over it. The same goes with all social media. It's not just Instagram. Anything on Facebook. I've now started making uh, YouTube videos. And I just kind of wanted a place to hub and keep all of that information. So if anybody wanted to find anything about me, it's all on my website. They can find it there. I'm really hoping that it's a way of me kind of building community in the sewing world. Also, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher at heart. I've taught for a long time. It just comes natural to me. I love teaching about sewing. I taught in-person sewing classes for years um, leading up to COVID and then everything's, you know, halted then. But I love posting and teaching things and talking through projects I'm working on. So I'm just hoping it's going to be a good source of one, inspiration, two, education, um, and three, community. That's really what I want to build. I, I love it. I'm super excited about it. I'm glad I finally kind of took the leap. It can be a little daunting because everything you add to your plate, just it's one more thing to keep up with, right? So, uh, but I'm very excited about having it and, and building it. I've had a sewing blog or a blog. I don't know if it has a specific niche anymore <laughs> for like, I don't know, a million years. And honestly, it's for all those things that you describe. Mine is less uh, pretty than yours. Um, but it's also like, it's like a journal or a diary. Like you can look back on things that you made and be like, well, I made that or Ew, oh God. <laughs> Either way, you have cataloged your life and your creativity and I don't know it's 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 fun to have that space on the web for yourself I totally get that feeling because I like I said I've mostly been on Instagram for years now and Instagram is that for me I can look back and see it's the way of chronicling the things that I had made um so yeah now blog I'm even I'm able to put even more information so yeah I love that yeah absolutely and I saw that you have a podcast going a knitting podcast is that something that you're going to keep going with or oh yeah you know i i learned to knit probably about 10 years ago but kind of pick it up and drop it and pick it up and drop it but i've knit over the years a, a woman her name is georgia a friend of mine we taught together when i first started teaching and um we actually kind of learned to knit at the same time and started a project together back then and now we've come back together and we're filming a monthly knitting podcast, just talking about the projects we're working on and what we're doing. And I'm having so much fun with it. Uh, she is too. It's, I love watching knitting podcasts. And I don't know if that's something you've seen or, or the kind of the sewing community you're listening to this, to this has paid attention to, but there's a big knitting community on YouTube. And while I say podcast is technically not a podcast, it's a, I don't know, whatever you call a podcast is on video, <laughs> video cast. Like a, it's a video podcast. Yeah, video podcast. I've heard, I read somewhere that like people like to watch about 50% of podcast audience members like to watch podcasts. So I think you're you're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, I know a lot of podcasts put up a video uh, and especially with knitting when we're talking about colors, like I was just trying to talk about colors. That's really hard without showing it and uh, or trying to show something I'm working on, it's just really nice to have it on camera. 
Uh, so we're having a great time. We're actually filming again next weekend. Um, I have an episode uh, going up soon that I just finished editing today. So yeah, I love it. And I love the time with her. You know, we, it's not that we, uh, we just didn't talk for years. Nothing happened. We just kind of lives went our own ways. And I moved to another school and now I'm on a second school. She retired and fate just kind of brought us back together a couple months ago. And at that point, I was kind of starting my own YouTube stuff, especially with this uh, TV production job. It always has me thinking in video now. So I was starting my own YouTube stuff and I brought up the idea and she just kind of jumped on board with me. <laughs> so, yeah, we're loving it. I'm looking forward to that um, continuing on as well. Well, I signed up for your newsletter and I'll probably subscribe to your YouTube channel. So I'm your number one fan. I'll be <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of being fans of creative people, I am all about spreading the love. And for the final question, I would really like to see you give a shout out to someone in the creative realm. Do you have a favorite creative individual that you like to follow on social media? What is there anything that stands out that makes them extra special to you? Well, I can tell you. I mean, obviously, I, I follow a lot of people, but there are three that lately I've just watched continuously. I watch YouTube every day. Like, it's my way to chill at the end of the evening. And I, I talked about silo Silhouette Patterns uh, a little bit earlier. They've been doing live webcasts for years and years and years. I've learned so much from them. So that's kind of like a long, a long love of mine. But lately, there's a YouTube channel called So So Live. And she does live streaming where she um, sews live as people are watching and chatting with her. And each week or every two weeks, I don't know exactly what her schedule is, but she's sewing a different project live on camera. And it is something I love watching. And it's also something that I really would love to do. Um, so I kind of aspire to do that as well. And I don't know, there's just something so relaxing and fun about watching the things she's making. And the last one is actually a sewing pattern company and it is the sewing workshop. So they have been doing weekly videos too. And their patterns to me just, they're simple, but yet so unique at the same time. And I love the stuff that they put out and I love watching um, them kind of chat about designs and what they're sewing and making and giving inspiration. So those are my three. And those are all, I guess, businesses. Um, so, so live. She has some patterns on her website too, but she's, you know, she's one of us. She's a, just a, a sewer like us that has made YouTube her full-time job. And I love watching them. I think I would, I've only done a sewing live a couple of times, like on Facebook. And I get, I don't want to say that I get real sweaty doing it, but I get real sweaty <laughs> doing it. Like it makes me so nervous that I'm saying the right terminology because you can't edit yourself while you're doing it. Like, oh, it's, it's a lot. So right. kudos to her for doing it all the time. I really want to do it. I actually already have a setup. I'm sitting here in my sewing room and I have, Every, I have the camera set up over my sewing machine. I had multiple cameras set up here. Everything's set up. I just haven't taken the plunge yet. <laughs> well, you know I'll be watching when you do it. Well, Brad, thank you so much for giving me your time today, coming on the show. Oh, it's been so good. I'm not sure if you're ready for this, but I'm your new best friend. So um, I'll be, you know, <laughs> I'll be around. I was going to say, we can never have enough best friends, right? I, I know, seriously. So... If you like red, if do you have a redheaded best friend yet? Because um, I'll fill that slot if you need it. Have it. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, for everyone listening, thank you again for joining us for another episode of I Can Make That Conversations with Creatives. And I'm going to hand it off to Brad. Please take us out by telling us how we can find you online so we can support you, your blog, and your sewing adventures even further. Well, that's really simple. I'm pretty much Brad Schultz Design everywhere you look. And my website is bradschultzdesign.com. And like I said, that's kind of the hub where I will be putting all of my information. So you can find me there. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to I Can Make That Conversations with Creatives. Transcripts from this episode, along with links and more information about today's guests can be found at www.wildandwonderful.com. See you next time.